0: This week on The Sport Blokes.
1: This week, the man-cat is back on the agenda with some massive cricket rule changes. Our early picks for the impending AFL season. Fucking Tom Brady's back. <laughs> and we finally tackle the Elam foot in the room and discuss the Elam ending.
0: Uh, we sure do, Chewie, we sure do. Let's go. It's nine o'clock on Monday, the 14th of March, 2022. 9.01! one <laughs> A little a little earlier than usual on the day, maybe not not so much of the time. Yeah. No quiz this week. So we're recording on a Monday rather than a Tuesday. As we do at the top every week, Shui, what caught your attention? And what'd you miss?
1: Well, I mean, an absolutely massive, massive weekend in sport. I think for me though, it has to be Adelaide 36's captain Mitch (laughs) McCarron. picking up garbage after their loss to the Breakers on Saturday. Ah, uh, yes. And after him going 0 for 6 for two points in nearly 34 minutes, dare I say it, it's probably where he belongs.
0: Oh, wow. uh, you know when there's a job description and it tells you your pay and all the things, and then there's like always a dot point that says, any additional extra duties? Maybe they're like, ah, oh, you yeah. didn't do too <laughs> well in the game today, Mitch. You better go out to the stands and earn your keep.
1: Well, I probably just figured he'd be the perfect person for it because of how much garbage you dished up in 33. Oh, dear. To... Wow. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Get, get a punch in early. <laughs> <laughs> how about yourself, mate?
0: Well, lots of NFL for me this week. Well, also the baseball lockout's over, which is good for those that like baseball. I, I like the idea of baseball, as I always say. <laughs> the
1: it, idea. This, this
0: gives me the opportunity to give you uh, Shohei Ostani stats. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's good. But yeah, in the NFL is what caught my attention. So Russell Wilson's gone to Denver. My Colts have managed to somehow get rid of Carson Wentz. They've sent him to Washington to the commanders. What uh, what
1: flavour of sandwich did you get in return for him? Uh,
0: we got a couple of third round picks and stuff, actually. No, that's not too it's bad. more than yeah. I expected. Yeah. But listen to this. The amount of, if I'm not mistaken, he is the 16th quarterback they've had in the last six years.
1: Wow. If, assuming
0: he suits up and has at least one snap, which wow. he will because they traded for him. So, yeah, yeah, terrible.
1: Good job, Washington football team. Khalil mack gone to
0: the Chargers and Brady won't leave. Meh. I just, I can't believe, I can believe it, actually. I, I could totally see this coming. Tom Brady, even though his team lost in the first round of the playoffs last season, he managed to get himself in the news every single fucking week. Like, So after they lost, okay, it's about the game. Then the following week, it's the farewell to Tampa Bay. And everyone's like, oh, he didn't say farewell to Boston. And he does that the following week, the farewell yeah, to Boston. New, New England. And then even in the Super Bowl at halftime, when after the music was off, they're talking about Tom Brady and how great his career was. So he managed to stay in the news cycle every single fucking week, and then he never left.
1: It's deflating, isn't it? It's
0: very deflating. I just hope that... I mean, he said that he wanted to spend more time with his family. So I guess those three weeks were enough.
1: Now, we Hopefully, are,
0: Giselle's withholding sex.
1: We, we well. <laughs>
0: is this how much you like your family tom
1: yeah well so we've actually made it very clear we are massive massive fans of survivor yes and well
0: my interest is waning but yes uh, over the course of our lives we've been massive fans
1: yeah so boston rob who is literally one of the most iconic survivor contestants ever he's a past winner
0: including his wife who we met on the show who also won (laughs) they've done very well for themselves they've done incredibly well Amber, yeah yep
1: and so he actually went on instagram and posted a picture of himself on the beach at survivor and it said these past two years i've realized my place is still in the game not on the couch that time will come but it's not now i love my tribe mates and i love my supportive family they make it all possible i'm coming back for my seventh season now i don't know if that's actually true but either way, it's a hilarious... The timing is, yeah. Hilarious piss-take on Tom yeah,
0: if if it, is, if it isn't true. Yeah. But Tom was only aware. As I say, he knew exactly what he was doing. He's an egotist. He wanted to be in the news every single bloody week after his team. I just... Oh, just piss off.
1: Do you reckon he'll retire again and then... Oh, probably. Um, well, um, we'll have to go through this all again next yeah. season.
0: It's like... ah. Oh, anyway. Anyway. Now, the other big thing in the NFL is the Calvin Ridley gambling thing. Yes. Oh, not good at all. So, Ridley... Is said to have wagered on a number of his own team's games, the Atlanta Falcons. I think the total is nearing towards $4,000, but a total of 1,500 was kind of the magic number at one stage during the rounds, wasn't it? Yeah. And there were parlays and money lines. and I mean, it's dodgy. It is dodgy. Yeah. No doubt about that. You had a funny tweet.
1: Yeah, well, it, not long after it came out that he'd been suspended, Ridley, of all people, actually went on Twitter and said, I bet $1,500 total I don't have a gambling problem. Oh, Jesus Christ, the timing is just it's, it's a bit brazen. It's very brazen, but it's oh it's not great.
0: Here's I'll tell you else what's not great. So this is from Nick Looney 901 on Twitter. Ray Rice beating fiance, two games. Adrian Peterson, felony child abuse, six games. Greg Hardy, beating girlfriend, ten games reduced to four. Ezekiel Elliott hitting women, six games. Calvin Ridley, 17 games for using fan jewel. Josh Gordon, six seasons for smoking weed. I think yeah, the well, priorities were a bit off it was international women's yeah. Day last week too so yeah, well, it, that tells you how much the NFL cares about that yeah, it
1: basically says that smoking weed is worse than beating women
0: yeah well it basically says that oh you can you can beat women up but don't, don't dare gamble on yeah or, or kid. kids yeah. That, yeah that I was a big oh. fan of Adrian Peterson until then that uh, was, no, was that was ugly that was really difficult to stomach that one yeah it mm. was poor kid what'd you miss mate
1: well as I said before, it was an absolute feast of sport. I did strategically miss Sydney and Cairns in the NBL. I'd watched the first two games of the triple header on Sunday and the thought of watching Cairns just put me to sleep. <laughs> and I actually missed the Marsh Cup final, which was not strategic. Yes, yes. Did not realise that was on, unfortunately. But as we always say, there's only so many hours in a day and you can only watch what you can watch.
0: It's true. I didn't watch it either. And I, I have in in years gone by, I watched, watched the final. like We've beaten New South Wales on a number of occasions and we'll get there very shortly indeed. I miss Sydney and Cairns as well, but that's because we were watching the AFLW. Uh good to see the Dockers women have another win after a horrible record setting performance last week. We we're actually at that game. But when you've got half your team out and they all come back in, it's no surprise that they then get a win.
1: Not quite good enough
0: though. Oh look, yeah, yeah. They were they were playing for the win rather than for the percentage. The win was more important. Had they not got the win, they wouldn't have made made the finals. Yeah, so. fair
1: enough.
0: Yeah. So, Sheree, let's get stuck into the cricket once again. It's been a few weeks that we've talked about this. A time of recording stumps is not long called in the second test. Australia in bloody good shape there. But first, let's start with the Women's World Cup.
1: Yeah, been a really interesting start to this Women's World Cup in New Zealand. Uh, the reigning champions, England, are in Ooh, yeah. big, big trouble at the moment. They've played three. They've lost three. Mm. And I tell you what, they would have expected at least one of them. I mean, they lost to Australia. Fair enough. They lost to South Africa today. Fair enough. But they did lose to the West Indies as well. All three of them really, really close games. It's also the first time that England have ever lost three straight at a World Cup.
0: Wow. Yeah. Okay. So
1: yep. very, very unexpected. And geez, good for the health of the game. It is. And it was yeah. It was a great game. I actually managed to watch a bit of the South Africa game and it, it came down to really the final three or four overs with the middle order slash early tail enders coming in and hitting the winning runs. So yeah, it was great to watch and Look, obviously, as an Aussie fan, we don't mind seeing England get beaten. It's uh, it's never (laughs) so bad. And it's kind of got to the stage now where they've got two really big games, India and New Zealand. If they lose both of those, they are probably out, you would say. Oh,
0: they'd have to win both big, I would imagine, to have any chance.
1: Well, the thing is, the West Indies are kind of winning games that they should lose and losing games they should win. So that kind of throws the cat amongst the pigeons a little bit.
0: But
1: it's looking really, really tough for England to defend their championship.
0: Now, one thing I did see in today's game, Stewie, is Seema Mazabata class, and boy, it was all class. A bit of luck too. <laughs> Nat Siva has top-edged oh. one, but not in what you'd expect. So she's gone through a full 360 swing motion basically, and it's hit the top edge on the way through. I don't really know how else to explain it without. Well,
1: she's basically gone for a like a swivel pull shot, and it the ball sort of bounced off her glove. And ricocheted. That's on, true. Come, yes,
0: it's come on, true. Yeah, yeah.
1: Ricocheted onto a bat, which was facing the complete opposite direction of the bowler, and it's just
0: going to just, slip straight
1: to slip. Yeah, it's <laughs> crazy. One of the most unusual dismissals you'll ever see.
0: Oh, it sure is. It absolutely is. Hats off to Marizan Kapp, who had a five for forty-five in that match. The best bowling performance by a South African in a Women's World Cup.
1: And obviously, we have quite a, a nice link to Marazan Cat. She was a member of the Perth Scorchers Big Bash team that won the premiership over yes, here indeed,
0: yes. all of a few Very months recently, ago. Very recently, yes. Yep. Played
1: an amazing, amazing tournament. Now, the Aussies absolutely cruising. As we said, they beat England. They also beat Pakistan really comfortably. They smashed New Zealand yesterday without Jess Johnson as well. Ash Gardner smoked 48 off oh, the yeah. team. Oh, wow. She yeah. was just hitting them everywhere. And then, yeah, South Africa looking okay they're expected to do well they weren't overly convincing in beating pakistan and bangladesh but today was actually their highest ever run chase in a world cup so uh, and
0: if you keep winning that's the main thing
1: this is it so they looked really poised in the final overs and that's kind of all you can hope for
0: absolutely and it's unusual for south african cricket teams to be poised in final overs in world cups i dare say
1: well we're not (laughs) we're not at the final stages yet (laughs) yeah true okay (laughs) but what I've actually enjoyed about this tournament is that going into it, it was expected that it would be four spots, five teams, the Aussies, South Africa, New Zealand, India, and England, but the West Indies have kind of come in. I mean, as I said, they beat England, they beat New Zealand and they've really kind of, given a little bit more of a dimension to this this knockout round and added and, some drama yeah, and spots yeah all of a sudden it's kind of looking at six into four which doesn't go quite as well no that's good and good. obviously for teams like Australia and South Africa who are stockpiling wins early that is key
0: yes so they've just got to get through without injury and and yes. worry about the next stage absolutely
1: and we'll talk about it more no. next week because obviously they'll be a little bit closer to the the semifinals and the quarterfinals so we'll, we'll kind of talk about it a bit more once we know where we're at with that
0: indeed absolutely. So the blokes, well, the second test very different to the first. It was looking a lot like the first, wasn't it? It was. Unbelievable. So that one ended in an unceremonial draw. Very disappointing after, what, 25 odd years since we've been there. In person.
1: And to have 14 wickets fall across yeah, five days. Yeah,
0: that's terrible. It's
1: disgraceful. Yeah, yeah. And less did, than
0: three a day on average. You're,
1: yeah. you're right, though. It looked exactly like it was going to be a carbon copy of this. It league.
0: really did. Yeah, it really did.
1: <laughs> and, and, and you're just thinking, like, what is going on here? What sort of message does this send to teams? Do you actually want to come and play in Pakistan if they're just going to serve up these horrible wickets that do nothing? Well,
0: I dare say there were probably a lot of journalists at about 4 o'clock Perth time, 7 o'clock Eastern States time, that were rewriting articles because the tide changed very quickly, didn't it?
1: I may have rewritten my notes as well. <laughs> well, hey,
0: you know, this shit happens. I mean, it was looking like, and Marnus's reaction. So we went down the pub and we watched the Wildcats and their cricket side by side. We had a nice little corner there with the two tellies. My girlfriend and I were laughing at Marnus's reaction after he ran himself out because he knew there were runs on offer on that deck and he blew it. And this is a bloke that's used to getting a 50 nearly every time he strides out there.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, the proof's in the pudding. You look, Nathan Lyon made 38. Pat Cummins made 34. Mitch Swepson made 15 not out on, on debut. The so yeah, yeah. you've got all of these guys making runs. But then the, the only person who really didn't make more than 20, and we can't really count what Swepson did because he was not out, was Lapshane.
0: Yeah, and yeah, this, exactly. Yeah, he, oh, he knew. His reaction, my God.
1: Absolute suicide single.
0: Yeah, it was terrible. But hats off to Mitch. Great to see him in the team. And I thought it was a very nice touch. Usman giving him his baggy green, given that Usman is playing in his country of birth. Well, he's, and he's, had a ton. His, his home city. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that exactly, is exactly, exactly
1: right. where the Kawajas are from. So, yeah. And do you know what was even better was that he kind of, and we'll, I guess we'll kind of mention now, after the Aussies made nine declared for 556, this is where I'd kind of written out all the same stuff. This entire series has been a farce. No one's trying to win all this yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah.
0: Oh, and there was some very defensive bowling tactics by the Pakistani bowl, well, no, it's we'll, spin bowlers. We'll talk
1: about that in a second. Yeah, that's actually, yeah. there's an interesting thing I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. About. Yeah. But then the Aussies have come through and absolutely skittled Pakistan for 148. It's more, I guess, what we were expecting. But it was actually the runout that Mitch Swepson yes, had at the yes, start. That yes, yes, That was the catalyst.
0: Indeed. Yeah, well, you could argue that it wasn't his two wickets. It was actually that runout that was the most impressive play of his day, wasn't it, really?
1: Well, it was. And it kind of gave the Aussies the belief that, you know what? This is not going to be the same as the first test where Pakistan just batted and batted and batted. And you just felt like you couldn't get them out.
0: And, and the thing is, wickets fall in bunches. So all it takes is one, often. And they just, you can skittle them.
1: And that's what happened. Mitch Stark took two wickets and two balls. Yep. And all of a sudden, it exposed that middle order that kind of hadn't been tested previously in, in the last test. And yeah, everyone really contributed. I mean, he took three, had Cummins and Lyon one apiece. Cameron Green took one as well. Yes. Yep. An yep. Absolute beauty. So there's. They there's all a- had
0: good economy rates. So, yep.
1: Yeah. It's, you couldn't really ask for much more. And then obviously. They've come in and put the foot down a little bit. At the well, end
0: and we were talking about this when you got here before we hit record, is that basically Aussies are shit scared of sending teams in to follow on in yep. the subcontinent. So we took the bat again. And maybe it wasn't a bad idea. Give our bowlers a bit of a rest.
1: I think they'll probably miss the first session tomorrow. to Just bat through that. The lead's sitting just shy of 500. It's so a 489. Bat for a session. Maybe- I reckon
0: declare just maybe 10 overs before the end of the session yeah. and have a ping at them yep. and then have another ping at them when they come back from lunch.
1: And, and by that stage, the lead should be up towards 600 anyway. Yeah, yeah, so- yeah. It could even be more. Depends. Depends how fast they really want to go at it. And you know, there's a lot of hitters in the... Martis will be
0: keen to cash in after that first innings, I dare say.
1: But you might see guys like Alex Carey and Travis Head getting promoted. Cameron Green as well come out. Swing, sure, yeah, they could. They see, could. see how they yep. want to go about it. But no, it, it's interesting. So going back to what you were saying before about this horrible... Negative tactics, Negative, yeah. a lot of leg side sort of stuff. It poses the question, is it time to start bringing in wides for that sort of stuff?
0: Well, Stewie, it's funny you say that, because it might be covered in the new cricket laws that we'll talk about in a sec, but we'll finish up on this game and this series first.
1: Yeah, I mean, I suppose the really big thing to talk about is Usman Kawaja. Yeah. We've, we've kind of briefly talked about him. He's grabbed his opportunity. There was a lot of pressure on him going over there, going back to, to sort of the, the motherland. And Well, I think it
0: would have been a lot of internal pressure he would have put on himself, actually. Yep. Yeah.
1: And and especially after the first test, so close to that century with 97, you think, oh, what can yeah, that do? Yeah, that was
0: sad, wasn't it? Yeah.
1: But what can that do to a bloke's mentality? Yeah. All of a sudden he comes out and puts on this magnificent 160. And until he got out, it was, you know, it was, it was a not flawless and not chanceless, but it was a very, very classical innings.
0: Yeah, look, I'm really glad he's back in the side. And I think that he there's every reason to believe he'll keep that spot. And I think it's a good little opening pair. So Alex Carey was great with 93, not so great around the pool, but he was great <laughs> on the field. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that was good the, the reaction on his face When he realised Someone was recording Was even better It was
0: being recorded I saw the footage From two different angles Multi- oh, wow. Multiple people Were recording yeah, yeah There you go The second angle Explained a little bit more Because I think he stepped On like the filter Or something And so it yeah. wasn't Flat ground But yeah you, you, you
1: could see that he was Walking in the wrong direction yeah, the right? yeah. I still
0: The awareness Or lack thereof I still don't know How the hell he managed To no, do it like. well,
1: We'd rather him be clumsy Around there Than behind the stairs Yeah or just, with a bat. Don't,
0: just don't Stay healthy, please. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Thinking of McGrath standing on balls or Aaron Baines in bathrooms or, you know, all these weird, (sighs) these non-sporting injuries.
1: And then we've got, I believe it was Corey Webster cutting himself on an avocado. Yeah, one of the Webster brothers. With with a knife while he's trying to cut this avocado. we always said avocado is bad for you. (laughs) So, Nath, you alluded to these new cricket rules, and the MCC has brought down nine of them, which yeah, there's some interesting ones, there's some not-so-interesting ones. We thought we'd quickly run through them and kind of go through our reactions, I guess.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And this episode, we'll have a bit of that discussion today, actually.
1: So, the first one comes under Law 1, which is replacement players. Now, under Law 1.3, the replacement player will inherit any sanctions or dismissals of the person they're replacing. So, a person could... Come on, get out first ball or not bowl a single ball and be credited with a century fifer. Outrageous,
0: isn't it? James? It just it makes no sense at all. I mean, we've talked previously about in the NBA how weird it is the coaching rules when guys aren't on the bench and that sort of thing. This is even worse, I think. Yeah. I, I just I don't get it. Why? Why? I think I think it's a good rule. the replacement rule is a good modern, inclusion that needed to happen with worries about concussion we've talked about will pokofsky he's back hopefully he'll have a good little stretch now after yeah. a really poor <laughs> difficult time for him
1: I believe when i say it
0: yeah but so i i don't have a problem with the replacement players but inheriting the stats i mean that's that's ridiculous
1: like could you imagine the other day when lebron dropped 56 stanley johnson subs in with like a minute to go and he's like yeah yeah scored 56 yeah well, exactly it's just like,
0: excuse it's it's very weird it very is. weird That one needs a rethink.
1: (laughs) I think it does too. Now the second one, law 18.11 has changed, stating that whether or not the batter's cross, if a batter is out caught, the new batter will always be on strike unless it is the end of the over. I'm not too fussed about this one, but what are your thoughts?
0: Um, uh, Was it necessary? I find it an interesting little wrinkle of the game and an interesting tactic of trying to cross... And like, oh, did they cross? I don't know. Like, look, I'm not devastated that it's gone, mm. but I don't know if it was necessary, to be honest.
1: It's probably a fair way to look at it. I mean, okay, it's one less decision that the umpires have to look for, so... There's, True, there's,
0: I they think it will speed up the game, but yeah. I don't imagine... It would do a hell of a lot.
1: Oh, probably not. But it could facilitate more hat-tricks. And this is one of the, the points. Oh, it will. It yeah. will
0: facilitate more hat That's mm-hmm. true. So I guess if they're trying to increase excitement, then...
1: And yeah. this was a point that one of our mates made on one of our sports chats that he had. He, he did say that the hat-tricks will come in a lot more. Yeah, definitely. And, and so, yeah, look, if it brings up the entertainment value with more hat-tricks, I mean, they are something that you get excited about. I mean, you, you listen to the roar of a crowd when a hat-trick ball's being delivered, you know, the, the slow clap.
0: Well, Wani with the David Boone catch. Yes. In exactly. the early mid nineties. So it's got to be something. Yeah, God, yeah by <laughs> the way, yeah. we said we were going to talk about Warney a bit this week. We're going to save that to next week when we have a special guest, hopefully. Yes.
1: So but no, I, I don't really mind that one so much. And it, yeah, as you say, if it takes out a judgment call, I'm not a I person. can live with that one. Yeah. Yeah. So the third one, war 20.4.12 is dead ball. If either side is disadvantaged by a person, animal, or other object, the ball can be declared dead. Probably not a huge impact for us as an Australian audience, aside from maybe the pigeons.
0: Yeah, yeah, that big bash final Mm. with Bill worrying,
1: oh, he's gone, I'm afraid he's gone.
0: And then he was
1: back from the dead. Yeah,
0: oh, the crowd. And yeah. it was a final. Yeah. And it was a really exciting final, too. It was. it was that one where Brett Lee had the brain explosion near the end. And oh, man. Yeah, look, uh, every now and then a dog will run on the field this, as well. Yeah, this then. is
1: more like I, I don't like, know. I
0: feel like it more, it probably affects other Ireland, countries. Ireland, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, England, I'm just, i just, think okay. it's happened in New Zealand, too, actually. But yeah.
1: To me, I just think immediately of like Irish counties. Yeah. Sort, yeah. Of, sort of thing like. <laughs> county somewhere we have never heard of it, and no. maybe it
0: applies more to the lower levels than tests for so, example yeah, yeah.
1: And, and obviously uh, these laws have to cater to all levels yeah so it makes sense uh the fourth one law 21.4 a bowler attempting to run out of batter before entering their delivery stride will now be a dead ball previously a no ball have you ever even seen that happen
0: never not that well if i have i don't remember
1: guy gets to the top of his stride takes three big big steps in and goes oh He's out of his crease. I've never seen that. Yeah, actually,
0: I probably have once or twice. It's normally an act of aggression, though. Yeah. It's like, oh, here's an excuse to pelt it at a bloke because he's got his bat out of the crease. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, very rare, though. Very rare.
1: Yeah, I I can't see that being a problem. Law 22.1, a wide will now be called based on where the batter stood as the bowler entered their delivery stride. So I kind of thought that was how it was being adjudicated already anyway. You see, obviously, a lot of those judgment calls in the BBL with guys backing away or moving across their crease trying to open up angles. Yeah. Has anything changed there? I don't think it has. Oh, it's like, like it's, Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it, it? It's maybe just putting it in writing. Yeah. And they've probably said to the umpire as well, this is how you need to adjudicate it. Now it's officially in writing.
0: What does bother me is when a bloke takes a step back to try and give himself some more room to hit it over the offside, for example, and then misses it, so it looks wired, but actually it's within the popping crease. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So that's the one that pisses me off. But yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it hasn't changed. Maybe it won't change those negative tactics. Yep. Yeah, it's a shame.
1: Right, here's an interesting one. Number six, law 25.8. If the ball lands off the pitch, the batter can go after it as long as some part of their bat or person remains on the pitch, but it will result in a no ball if they can't reach it.
0: Now, I was going to bring up the Alan Border one, but I see on your notes there over your shoulder that you've got the Alan Border one. Absolutely. So that's the one that comes to mind immediately. Smashing Phil Simmons for six
1: after the ball's gone miles away.
0: I don't mind it, to be honest. I reckon hit it if you can. The ball will slip out of a bowler's hand every now and then, just like a batter might do something stupid with their bat every now and then. I I don't actually have a problem
1: Uh, with it. So to clarify, you're on the same side of the fence as me. You think they should have left that one? Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. It's
0: absolutely. It's very rare. And it is fun. Yes. Yes. You hear the crowd, oh, go hit it,
1: hit it. I don't know. I don't really think they needed to do anything with that one. Anyway, whatever. It's fun. Why change it?
0: Yeah, if it ain't broke.
1: Number seven, Laws, 27.4 and 28.6. Unfair movement by the fielding side. So if, as the bowler runs in, a member of the fielding side rapidly changes positions, it will be five runs. So you think about things like guys shaping up to sweep and guys running across from slip to leg slip maybe doesn't work quite as well. To
0: be honest, I think... When this sort of stuff happens, I don't think it's very often a nefarious or borderline cheating action. Hmm. I think it's just a bloke having a brain fade where he's gone, oh, whoops, I was meant to be fielding Hmm. there. I better run. You know what I mean? So I don't think necessarily those instances are super cheaty, but they shouldn't happen. And I think this is a fair penalty.
1: So, for example, the batter comes in, has a look around at the nine fielders who aren't the bowler and the wicket caper. Sees a guy at third man and goes, all right, I've got a little bit of room there. And all of a sudden, as the bowler's coming in, he sprints in inside, he or she, sorry. I should yeah, say, yeah, yeah. Sprint yeah. inside the circle and little lap sweep.
0: Well, it doesn't take much. You only need to move by a metre to change things pretty significantly. Now, yeah. obviously, people are allowed to walk in.
1: Oh, walking in's fine. Laterally,
0: yeah. but from side to side, even you don't even need to run in 10 metres. Mm-hmm. Moving a little bit is enough to change the field. So
1: It will be interesting to see what this does. Now, we get into the one, the one that's divided pretty much the entire internet. The man-cad rule has been moved from the unfair play section to section 38 run out. And I, for one, could not agree more. Amen. Pull out the party poppers. Now, I did see one interesting tweet. It was from Georgie Parker, who said, If you man-cad, you probably also have a picture of you with a fish on your unsuccessful dating profile. Nothing like a high-profile sports person basically saying if you disagree with me, you're a bad person. Like,
0: oh, I do love Georgie Parker. She loves her cricket and she's quite funny. But and that I mean that's a funny kind of. Oh,
1: it's, it's she's it's, clearly
0: looked at a few dating profiles and it's, seen it's, a
1: few fish. It's humorous, but, yeah. But like, don't, don't tell me. No, well,
0: I just disagree with her on this yeah, one. Don't, yeah, don't
1: tell me I'm wrong because I don't have the same viewpoint as you. That's that's yeah, that's not how the internet works. <laughs> but the one I did find really interesting was Stuart Broad's comments. He said. So the man cad is no longer unfair and is now a legitimate dismissal. Hasn't always been a legitimate dismissal and whether it is unfair is subjective. I think it's unfair and wouldn't consider it as in my opinion, dismissing a batter is about skill and the man cad requires zero skill. In my opinion, run out is a skill. Hearing someone run, sprinting full pace to pick up the ball and deciding which end to throw it to in a split second and aiming your throw close to the stumps to run out.
0: The man cad, of course, named after the new man cad who did it in Australia, at Sydney, uh, in 1947. Here's a tweet by Mark Puddick, which I think is in basically direct response to the Stuart Broad one you've just read. If dismissing batters were purely about skill, every bowler would call back a batter who got out in a way that the bowling did not intend. Mancad was an innovator and there's nothing unfair about it.
1: That, that is a very fair response.
0: Well, I agree 100%. I think the game already favours batters too much. And if someone is backing up... I've seen people back up so far... Okay, maybe give him a warning once, but honestly, I have no problem with it at all.
1: Well, I have two things that I kind of took away from that tweet from Stuart Broad. So, firstly, this is coming from a bloke who edged one to slips once and didn't walk. So, last person to talk about fair. Let's just start with that. Well,
0: I'm not well. Okay, you and I clearly see differently about walking. I think the umpire is there to make a decision, and and they should make the decision. You edge
1: it to slip. That's too much.
0: I that's not. Yeah. Well, we disagree on that. We just dis- absolutely. But we agree on absolutely that. Absolutely, we do. Like, yeah.
1: And I know this is, as you always say, like throwing stones in glass houses, but he's, yes. he's always been a cheat. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the big thing for me was, if it takes no skill to man someone, then don't ever run someone out unless it's a direct hit from a decent distance away. If you take a relay throw in and whip the bales off, that doesn't take any skill. No. So how about don't do that ever yeah, again? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, it's, it's a poor argument on Broad's part.
1: And fuck you, Stuart Broad. for. <laughs> For, no, for ruining my first name. <laughs> Absolutely ruin my first name. Okay. I've always argued and I will continue to argue that if a man isn't fair, then neither is a stumping.
0: Yeah, no, I agree,
1: 100%. Don't stump someone for just trying to play a shot. The fact they're out of their crease is maybe a lapse in judgment.
0: Well, does the crease matter at all? Or does it only matter in certain circumstances? Well, do- yeah, exactly. It just it, doesn't make it does sense. in a man yeah. but it doesn't in a stumping. It does not make sense.
1: Honestly, I don't even think there should be a warning. If you want to talk spirit of the game, stop cheating by being three or four feet outside the crease before the ball's bowled. It ain't a one way straight.
0: I'll clarify that. I don't think there should be a rule for a warning, but if a bloke like Stuart Broad wants to give someone a warning when they're out of their crease first and then do it after that, I'm okay with that. But no, I, I but, but
1: again, if it's the
0: first ball of the game, I don't have a problem with it. If you're backing up, you've lost your opener because they were stupid. But
1: if you take a quick single on the first ball of the game, well, you can be run out. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, get yeah. run out. Well, yep. What's, yep. What's the difference?
0: Yeah. For you, some reason, Stewie, you and I seem to be in the minority when it comes to man but we are very firmly in that it's camp.
1: A, yeah, if you're outside of the crease when you shouldn't be and someone takes your bales off...
0: And it's not a dead ball. That's
1: on you. Yeah. So, yeah. Amen. No, and the last one quickly, number nine, saliva permanently banned. So we're not allowed to use saliva anymore. You can still use sweat, but, yeah, I don't really have a problem with this. I think it gets rid of the potential use of for foreign objects like lollies and whatnot.
0: And that's the difference between sweat and saliva. So so I do think there's a difference. So I'm okay with that. Well, you
1: can't hide sweets in your sweat. Well, exactly, yeah. Potentially.
0: Yeah, so it's fair enough that they wanted to remove any doubt of people if they did have anything in their mouth that might cause the ball to get sticky or whatever it might be. So I'm okay, yeah, that's yeah. fine.
1: So yeah, very much some polarizing stuff in there. I think for the most part, it's pretty good.
0: Yeah, yeah, oh, I'm happy with most of it, yeah.
1: There's nothing too egregious, but- No, but well, well, actually, well there's one.
0: Yeah, that substitution one is yeah. really baffling. I wonder if they'll run that one back. I really do. If we see a situation like you said.
1: Where it gets man catted. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Where a bloke gets man-catted on zero when the uh the player they replaced had a double ton or something yeah. <laughs> and a five fake. Yeah. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> and that's just quickly on the cricket, the Marsh Cup won by WA. As we said, didn't really get to watch it, but uh, you know, I thankfully got a message from Mum to say that it was on. So I was able to go back on KO and watch the end. And this just typifies WA cricket right now. They can defend anything.
0: Yes, that bowling attack.
1: Like 225 is an atrocious score in a one day. We were actually lucky to get to that. It was 44 from Jai Richardson and a 52 run stand between Matt Kelly and Jason Berendorf with nine wickets down. New South Wales should have cantered it in. 7 for 204 they were with Moses and Reeks and Ben Dorsha set. They needed 22 off 36.
0: I just wonder if Ben Dorsha only knows one way and that's to smack the shit out of it. So although on Reeks should have been maybe yeah. a bit more conservative.
1: It's less than four and over. Yeah. Just yeah. waltz that in.
0: I only saw highlights, but my God, that catch by Hilton Cartwright, it basically changed the game.
1: Absolutely. That was catches
0: win matches. That
1: was yes. Yeah. That, that was the turning point. Yep. One of the best outfield catches, you'll see full Superman gets rid of Enriques off Darcy short, which I thought was a very risky decision to bowl.
0: Yeah, when it's a low score on that, yeah. Yeah. Hey, proved to be a master it, it
1: did. And New South Wales lose three for three, and that was that. Yep. So yeah, phenomenal effort from the the WA boys. And look. Neither side was at full strength. Obviously. No, oh
0: no, no. It's it's a nice little revenge, both the Big Bash yes. and the Marsh Cup from last year. So absolutely. These two teams have played in the one day competition final a lot over the last decade or so. So
1: yeah. Big, big week of cricket.
0: Indeed. So we'll quickly rapid fire a couple of sports now, starting with the tennis chewy. Jeez, it's weird. Novak. So obviously the vaccination status has been a major problem for him or lack thereof. And he was listed for Indian Wells right to the bitter end, wasn't he? Withdrawn too late. Yep.
1: Absolutely. And look, it's amazing how many times I see these articles pop up that are trying to say, Oh, Novak Djokovic is actually a good guy. Like he does some cool things, like some really, really good things. There was, I can't remember the name of the Ukrainian tennis player, but Djokovic reached yes, out to him.
0: Yeah. 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 And he said that Nadal and Federer hadn't reached yeah. out to him. Yeah. 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 Which yeah.
1: is, which is disappointing, but Then at the same time, yeah, the the chaos that he causes in these tournaments by refusing to withdraw until the absolute last minute, and it does, it messes up all the draws, and, and really, a traditional draw should have number one at the top, number two at the bottom. And it ended up being basically that a lucky loser got it. Yeah,
0: him. yeah, yeah. If people have walkthroughs, yeah, it's not fair.
1: Yeah, well, it's, it's not what you want. So pretty poor form by him. And look, as I say, I will absolutely, I will give him a gold star for reaching out to Sergei Stokowski. That that was a class move.
0: Well, he's not Satan, is he? Like no. he, He's a flawed human being. Maybe some people will say more flawed than others for different reasons. Yeah. And definitely more skilled than others yeah. <laughs> for obvious reasons.
1: Just pick your game up a bit more.
0: <laughs> so previously, Stewie, we've kind of had lengthier previews and looked at this that and the other the afl has really snuck up on us it, has. it will be the first game we would have played probably before we upload this or around when we upload this on wednesday night mm. great curtain raiser the grand final rematch my goodness can't wait to see that one there's actually a few games there'll be a few really good teams that start oh and one because port and brizzy play for example yes. so there's some really good matchups in round one we're not going to dwell on it too much at all. We will do tipping again for a bit of fun throughout the course of the season. So we'll talk about our round one result. Round the first couple of rounds are always tough because the shit teams don't realise they're shit yet. And I'll but, just, uh,
1: I'll keep bringing up the fact that I somehow beat you last uh, week. Yeah,
0: well, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> will just have to win to shut you up, I guess, on that one. Um, <laughs> but we will we'll do we'll do biggest rise and biggest faller Brownlow and Coleman. Let's let's do Ooh, that. Coleman, eh? I
1: hadn't thought about the Coleman. Fair enough. No, no. Let's let's go.
0: So for risers, I've got to say Richmond. They finished 12th last season. They'll have a few blokes come back from injury. I don't know if they're a premiership threat, but I do think they'll work their way back into the eight.
1: Yeah, that's exactly who I've got as well. I've got them and Carlton are kind of my two. I don't... Yeah,
0: so Carlton finished 13 last yeah. season. Yeah.
1: Will Carlton make finals? I don't know, but they only won eight games last year. There's a decent... Well, they underperformed. Some... Yeah, they, they could get to 11. That's a pretty decent rise. But yeah, Richmond, absolutely. After not making finals, if you bet against them, then do so at your peril.
0: Well, I also think that they probably think that this is the back end of that window. This might even be the last year of that window. And so they'll be red hot trying to really get into the finals and yep. get a good spot.
1: Absolutely. For the Fallers, I mean, look, the obvious one is wet coat. And I'm saying it like that because West Coast is basically half a team right now.
0: Yeah, so Jack Darling got the jab finally after resisting, 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 and then managed to get himself injured. Yeah, what do you fucking do? I saw a great tweet about that. I wish I could remember who it was, and I'm sorry that I'm not referencing this if they happen to listen to us. But someone said, I'm surprised Darling didn't get the jab. I would have thought he would have run in front of the one that was going into Josh Kennedy's arm.
1: <laughs> good, good. Well played. Spoiling
0: each other, yeah. Nah,
1: look, Honestly, I would be shocked if the Eagles got to nine wins. I really would. They won seven games at home last year and finished with 10 total.
0: Well, even when they're good, they're notoriously shit on the road. So I can't see the Eagles making the finals no, at all. I, I mean, they didn't last year either. They finished ninth. It's either them or GWS. So GWS finished seventh. They're without Toby Green the first six weeks because of that umpire in, uh, incident. Yeah, okay. So I'll say West Coast. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's GWS.
1: I port were my other ones, my sneaky little outside. They finished seventeen and five, which is an amazing record.
0: They could fall a fair bit and still position themselves in sixth place, for example, or something. Yeah, they
1: were they were five and zero in close games, which I believe is anything under a goal or maybe under a couple of goals. And you kind of have to get lucky sometimes with those ones to to come out on the right side. So yeah, as you say, they could still win thirteen games, and that's a pretty decent result. Thirteen and nine, you know, it's not. It should get
0: you into finals. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
1: So. Yeah, I think it's between one of those two. Who's your winner? Uh, look, I think the Bulldogs this year. I-, I think this team was superb last year, especially in the back end. They were maybe just a year short of being ready on the big stage. And and that young core, they're a year older. They- they're a year more experienced. And they've dealt with the pain of losing a grand final because a lot of them weren't in that previous grand final against your yeah, team. Yeah, well,
0: it's a, f- it's a few years ago now. So, yeah, was it
1: 2016?
0: Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. No, nah, when people break droughts, it's a nice thing. It,
1: it, that was yeah, yeah. That's like the one team you'd be happy to lose yeah, to. yeah. But no, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw a replay of last year's grand final, but I think the Doggies this year might be a little bit more up for it. So, Nathan, I assume you've got North Melbourne? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they might
0: improve a little. I don't, I'm not convinced that they'll be Wooden Spooners. Not improve They've got some very good young f- players.
1: Four wins. No, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. I, look, I often try to be a bit interesting and pick teams that maybe I shouldn't pick. Port, so Port Adelaide. Well I'm well not well Port have been bloody good the last few seasons, but I'm gonna be a bit boring and I'm gonna pick Melbourne over Brisbane. I think Melbourne will want a home grand final. So they did get that one in Perth but I think that they'll be really hungry for that home one at the G in front of hundred thousand fans there. So I'll take the demons over the Lions. The Lions I mean they they've got some very good young players they're all a year older as well like McCluggage McStay Okay, some of their veterans are older too, like Daniel Rich, but he's still a very fine player. So, yeah, that's who I'll pick in the granny. Okay. And then I guess Coleman and Brownlow. Who? Well, we'll go with Brownlow first. Who you got for Brownlow?
1: <sighs> yeah, see, I'm going to take a page out of your book and probably go boring. For me, it's a three-horse race. It's got to be between Petrarca, Bontempelli and, and Lockie Neal.
0: Ah, funny. Well, I have Clayton Oliver.
1: Yeah, look, Oliver's going to be one of those guys who will always finish up there because he's a ball magnet yeah. and his usage of the football has gotten a lot better over the last couple of years.
0: And I would have said Sam Walsh, but he's got some injury issues, so he might not play enough games.
1: I just, I can't see it being one of those years where you get some, you know, like a Tim Kelly for West Coast polling really well. Well, or, he's injured too. Yeah, well. No, no I know, but you're not, you're yeah. not actually, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, know exactly. you, I know what you're saying. All right, yeah. fine, Nat Fife, there yeah. we go. We'll, use yeah. well, Fifey
0: would be a smoky. Freo will have a good chance of making the finals, I reckon he would be a smoky
1: I'm, I'm not sure i don't know our I players
0: think. have their favorite players and if they've given them votes before they'll give them again so yeah. i look i actually wouldn't be surprised if fife won yeah look I'll go, but i would have a number of guys I'll, I'll go locky
1: Neal. i think yeah. that's I, th- I mean again he's going to rack up stupid amounts of possession we know it's a midfielder's award so yep. Yep. That, that's who i'll go and
0: brisbane are a bloody good team so they'll get enough wins that's it yeah
1: and so you're locking in clayton older yeah i'll
0: say clayton older yeah yeah okay. yeah okay. Yep. good and then for the Coleman, oh, I really want to say Buddy because he could get his 1,000th. He could get his 1,000th in round one, maybe round two more realistically. Oh, I think he's hungry too. I'll
1: go on Charlie Dixon this year.
0: I'll say... No Dixon? I'll say Jeremy Cameron, but I really want to say Buddy. So Charlie, but I'll say... Charlie Dixon then. Yeah. I'll say Jeremy Cameron. <laughs>
1: Cameron, fair fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look,
0: you It
1: was a good choice. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just rubbing it in that you're. I'm getting up. off the
0: Port Adelaide. All, yeah. You're talking as if they finished ninth or something, though. They have been a bloody good team the last two seasons. They just haven't got quite to the grand final,
1: aka did fuck all in finals. Yeah. Well, okay,
0: yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> all
1: right, let's have a laugh at my expense now. So when you asked me this, i I hadn't, actually, oh. I, I hadn't prepared for it, so I immediately put down Ben King, and I'm like
0: and I was he's like, like oh, I think like, that's the injured one. The injured one. one. I was
1: like, ah, oh, shit. Max King. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> so he's just changed three letters. Yeah.
1: I should have gone David King. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Max has a better chance because he'll actually be on the paddock. There's a much better chance. And oh, not in the com box or in the studio.
1: I, I think I think Maxi King will do well this year.
0: All right. Book it in.
1: So there's our very. And little... I'll win the tipping. Well, okay. No, I won't. I'll, I'll probably tip you, to be honest. <laughs> I'll tip you. I don't think you'll make the same mistakes as you did last season. No,
0: I'm I'm playing against myself. Last season I played against you and I shouldn't have. Yep. And I, I, It's like how I screwed my fantasy football. We never actually t- talked about how that finished, but we'll talk about that next time the NFL comes yep. back.
1: And now, this week in sport history.
0: Unfortunately, we kick off with a real tragic story from the early days of the NBA. March 15, 1958, and three days after being knocked unconscious during the last game of the season and mere hours after losing game one of the Western Division semifinals, Cincinnati Royal star Maurice Stokes fell ill on the flight back to Cincinnati, later suffering a seizure, which would leave him permanently paralysed. Stokes was diagnosed with post-traumatic encephalopathy, which put simply is a brain injury which causes damage to the motor control centre. Stokes was looked after by fellow Royal Jack Twyman, who became his legal guardian. And luckily he was able to regain some of his physical movement and speaking ability. As a result of this, there is now the Twyman Stokes Teammate of the Year Award to recognize it. Damian Lillard is the current holder, but past winners include Chauncey Billups, Shane Battier, Tim Duncan, Vince Carter, Dirk Nowitzki, Jamal Crawford, Mike Conley, and Drew Holiday. Ultimately, Stokes suffered a fatal heart attack in 1970, aged just 36. We often talk about what-ifs in sport. Guys who could have been one of the all-time greats, but for a number of reasons. Obviously in the NBA, there's Derek Rose, Penny Hardaway, Grant Hill, or Bill Walton. In the case of Len Bias, of course, he's one that never even made it past draft night. Stokes is absolutely one of those what-ifs that doesn't get spoken about nearly enough. At just 6'7", he led the league in rebounds in his first season at 16.3 a game, and managed to up that to 17.4 and then 18.1 which was a career high to go with his 16.9 points per game. If you're wondering why he didn't lead the league those years, it's because this is when Bill Russell entered the league. In his three seasons, he was an all-star every year, an all-NBA second team each year, behind Paul Arizon and Dolph Shays, both of whom are Hall of Famers, and NBA at 25, 50, and 75. He was Rookie of the Year, and honestly achieved more in three seasons than a lot of players achieve in their entire career.
1: Yeah, just one of those guys that we absolutely would be talking about as one of the greatest to ever do it, had he been able to have that full career, and a real shame, like so many others. I mean, like those guys that you mentioned who, yeah, we'll never know.
0: We can't take anything for granted.
1: No. March the 17th, 1996, at the Cricket World Cup final at Gaddafi Stadium in Lahore, Pakistan, the Sri Lankan cricket team achieved their first ever World Cup win, knocking off the Australians. Aravinda De Silva top-scored for Sri Lanka with 107 not out, while earlier taking three for 42, as the Australians were restricted to seven for 241. Now, how's this for something I forgot? We've obviously just talked about the great man himself, Shane Warne, and what a loss to the game he is, and and what an amazing loss he always will be. Mm. But he came into bat before Stuart Law, Michael Bevan, and Ian Healy in this one.
0: All I can think is that he was sent in as a pinch hitter. That's Mm. the only explanation, I think.
1: It's the only one that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now this was a really unusual World Cup for a number of reasons. Firstly, it was held across three nations: India, Pakistan, and Sri Lanka. This was the first time Sri Lanka had actually been invited to host a World Cup, and unfortunately, Australia and the West Indies refused to play in Sri Lanka at the magnificent R Premadasa Stadium, which we have been fortunate enough to go well, to. We have.
0: It's a beautiful stadium. Yeah, that's where I met Jael.
1: Of course, it was. Yeah, yeah true. Yeah, down by the nets. Not great security out there. They pat you down for about half an hour before you go <laughs> in. But anyway, that's another story. Now, I kind of understand, because this was due to the Tamil Tigers that bombed the central bank in Colombo just weeks before the tournament started. So your apprehension is understandable, I guess. Now, the Sri Lankans were awarded both of those games by forfeit or walkover, as they called it. And they actually qualified for the quarterfinals before a single ball was bowled. And I think we've mentioned this one before, but in the semi-final against India, they posted eight for 251, which is a yeah, pretty decent score back then. Oh, yeah, definitely. But India were in control. They were one for 98 at one stage. And then Sri Lanka takes seven for 22. Absolutely turned the game on its head, left India floundering at eight for 120. And the local fans kind of lost their mind. They began throwing projectiles onto the field and it eventually resulted in Sri Lanka being awarded the match for the first ever default in an ODI. So they actually only completed five of their eight matches in winning the final. Yeah,
0: that's nuts, isn't it? I don't remember that at all. I'll be honest, I was 12 when it happened. We were only in year eight and it was... Uh, a bit sketchy details, but I do remember staying up for the final. I remember mum let me stay up till a certain point in which I had to go to bed, so I missed the end. That's incredibly compliant. I don't know why I didn't just stay up and disobey orders.
1: I mean, is she going to check on you? No, phone? well, that's right. All, all I can think,
0: and it would have been a reasonable time, like 1am or 2am, but all I can it's because we had to go to church the next day, but all, all I can think is is that I, I knew we were going to lose and that's why I went to bed or something. I don't know, but yeah, yeah.
1: All yeah. I take out of that is you saying that one or two o'clock is a reasonable well, time. Well, yeah, I'm nocturnal. 95% of the population, <laughs> that, maybe, that's, maybe that's not quite the number, but the vast majority would look at that time and go, that is incredibly late (laughs) oh dear just a normal day for you though now crazily sri lanka were actually 66 to 1 outsiders at the start of this tournament it is worth remembering that australian sri lanka had actually played a three test series that ended in january so a month earlier and this is the series that was dominated by the whole daryl hare no balling with time story which kind of nearly derailed Mattia's entire career.
0: Yeah, I I remember that being a bit later too. I don't remember that being before the 1996 World Cup. So that's really interesting, Mm. isn't it? But I do remember Sri Lanka getting absolutely towed at the whacker when the Aussies scored nearly 700. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, they lost the first test by an innings, the second test by 10 wickets, and the third by 140-odd runs. Yeah, right. Not a great series for them at all. And Yeah, as I say, this is the sort of thing going into a World Cup that could very easily derail your entire campaign. But instead, it actually galvanized the Sri Lankans. And there was a story the night before the final where the Aussies and the Sri Lankans were having dinner together in a room with the World Cup trophy. And all of the Aussies were taking photos with it. And Arjuna Ranatunga basically said to his guys, no, 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 no one take photos with it. We're going to be holding this thing tomorrow. Then you can have all the photos you
0: oh, want. Boss move. I love it.
1: Absolute boss move. And i tell you what, it works. Hey,
0: yeah. And superstition. I wouldn't have touched a trophy if I were no. one of the Aussie players. But it, it is a different game. And and Sri Lanka really changed the game of one-day cricket. They they always wanted to score 100 in those first 15. Of course, Tony Gregg always creaming his dacks about Kalu with Arana opening at the top there. So they revolutionized one-day cricket. And that's why they won.
1: Well, they did. I mean, I think Sanath Jaya Saria was the man. Oh, one of my
0: favourites yep, of all time. Man
1: of the tournament. You had yeah. Mahanama at the top as well. They had some some cracking players in that They're team. A young
0: Chaminda Vaas and and Mataya as well. So a pretty yeah. good attack too. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Now another thing we have spoken about before, but I kind of wanted to expand on because I've read a little bit more about this. I mentioned a while back that Nolan Clark became the oldest player to debut and play a game in an ODI. He debuted at 47 years and 240 days (laughs) for the Netherlands in a match against New Zealand at that World Cup. Oh, great. Then he played his last match against South Africa 17 days later at 47 years and 257 days. actually scored 32 in that match, so not bad. Not bad at all. But in that New Zealand match, Flavian Aponzo debuted at 43 years and 112 days. Stephen Lubbers debuts at 42 years and 330 days. And Paul-Jean Bacher debuted at 38 years and 182 days.
0: Oh, practically in nappies.
1: Yeah, spring chickens. (laughs) Absolutely. But to make this even crazier, all 11 players that played for the Dutch in that New Zealand game were on ODI debut.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess they wouldn't have played many one-day internationals. No, yeah, that's crazy.
1: It is, but that goes to show how great it was back then, having those what they call Minnow nations, I guess, or I think they called them associate nations yes, back then. Yeah,
0: well, they still do. But yeah.
1: it, but it's great to have those guys on board, and this is why we always say they should be playing every single game in that tournament instead of just playing. Yeah, they need two the experience. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's really important. Now, it wasn't all bad for the Aussies. They went on to win the next three World Cups in 1999, 2003, and 2007 before being outclassed by India in India in 2011.
0: Yes, indeed. March 18th, 2019, the Athens Derby in the Greek Super League between Olympiakos and Patatonikos was abandoned after 70 minutes when fans set fire to the Athens Olympic Stadium. Initially, the game was postponed for nearly 10 minutes, a mere six minutes into the contest, after Patatinaikos fans tried attacking the Olympiakos substitutes in the dugout. The referee added 13 minutes of stoppage time in the first half, which is an astoundingly high number for a first half. Miguel Ángel Guerrero scored in the 53rd minute for Olympiakos, which caused more chaos with fans releasing firebombs outside of the stadium. Police tried like crazy to fight back with tear gas, but the fumes made their way into the arena and then onto the pitch, basically incapacitating the players and a number of fans. At the 70-minute mark, German referee Marco Fritz had enough and blew full time, ending the craziness. Fritz had only been refereeing because of a rule introduced the previous year that crucial games like the Derby would have to be overseen by an outside official due to a spate of horrible violent issues. Examples involved the owner of PAOK Thessaloniki storming the pitch with a gun after a late goal was disallowed in a match with AEK Athens, in 2012, a game between Olympiakos and Patertonikos was abandoned after supporters attempted to access the ground without tickets, and when police intervened, petrol bombs were set off in the stands and firebombs were thrown at the police. Had this match been completed, it's likely that it would have broken the record for stoppage time, which, funnily enough, ended up later in the year at a whopping 28 minutes from a game between Burton Albion and Bournemouth after they had issues with their floodlights.
1: It's a crazy old game sometimes, football, isn't It <laughs> sure is. And a birthday to finish it off, March the 20th, happy 77th birthday to Miami Heat team president, Pat Riley. Riley's been successful in every aspect of the NBA. He won a championship as a player with the LA Lakers in 1972, as an assistant coach with the 1980 Lakers team, five more times as a head coach with the 82, 85, 87 and 88 Lakers, as well as the 2006 Miami Heat. Now, that 18-year gap between 88 and 2006 is easily the longest gap between two rings for a coach. And then he capped it off with three more as an executive, that same 2006 Heat team because he was the coach and an executive at the same time, as well as 2012 and 2013. This makes him the only North American sports figure to win championships on all four levels, and he's actually reached the finals in some capacity in six different decades. I
0: don't know what's more impressive. (laughs) It's crazy.
1: That's a good question, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I suppose maybe being around for six different decades or something, but yeah.
0: Well, it's high level too. That's, I mean, that's a,
1: that's a hell of a record. He's a three-time coach of the year, also coached the All-Star game nine times, and he would definitely be one of the reasons that they don't let the same coach coach the All-Star game in consecutive years. Since from 1985 to 1990, his Lakers led the Western All-Star weekend, giving him the spot every time. Hmm. A lot of very envious coaches watching him.
0: Either that or coaches that they're happy they got a longer break.
1: Well, this is true. Yes, this is very true. Yeah, if it's Greg Popovich, he wouldn't have cared. I mean, yep, no worries. Let me go. Give
0: us another couple of days.
1: Now, funnily enough, Riley only actually got into coaching in the first place because in 1979, then Lakers coach Jack McKinney was nearly killed in a cycling accident and Paul Westhead took over as head coach, hiring Riley as his assistant. Six games into the 81-82 season, Magic Johnson stated that he didn't enjoy playing under Westhead and wanted to be traded. So the Lakers fired Westhead and tried to make Jerry West coach the team. Now West balked at that. So they named he and Riley co-coaches before West kind of pushed Riley towards being the head coach and him being the assistant. Showtime was officially born and the championships followed. Oh yeah. He then had successful stints with the Knicks, taking them to the finals in 1994 and with the Heat winning the 06 finals, which we spoke about before, but... Only after dogging Stan Van Gundy once the team was a contender again, following some pretty lean years in, the, in the, <laughs> those early 2000s were not good. Uh, uh, yeah. But then in another amazing move, he hired Eric Spolstra as his successor, who then would become one of the greatest coaches of all time. And he was a big part of forming the big three of LeBron James, Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh to win two more championships. Fun fact about Riley... Even though he never played college football, he was actually drafted by the Dallas Cowboys as a wide receiver in the 11th round of the 1967 NFL Draft. And he was a colour commentator before entering the coach's box. He's done everything. Crazy. So happy birthday to the godfather, Pat Riley. Yes, indeed. This week in sport history.
0: So, Shui, before we started recording this episode, we watched the end of the New Zealand-Perth game, which was an absolute cracker, wasn't it? My goodness, I can't wait to watch the full thing.
1: Well, we've only said game of the season like seven times oh, this man. year. Oh,
0: Do no. you know, I got deja vu, because I remember you and I watching a Perth-New Zealand, the end of a New Zealand... Yeah, the,
1: the double clutch. Yeah. yeah. Before we recorded one last year. Man, Bryce Bruss, so, Bruss does, oh, does some stuff against New oh, Zealand, doesn't he? But before we get there, another
0: interesting round, ups and downs
1: yeah it, it honestly just seems like the last few rounds it's like four crackers and four crappers like you're getting a mixed bag of that's an
0: okay ratio i think oh you
1: can deal because with the that.
0: crackers have been very good
1: that they have yeah they absolutely have but we'll save the perth
0: games well i don't know if we'll even talk about that brisbane win it was a good win but we'll, we'll save the perth melbourne and the perth new zealand game to the very end of our nbl chat for reasons that will become apparent where should we start otherwise
1: we got to start with the ants, don't you?
0: Yeah, two wins. Tassie
1: Jackjumpers. They yeah, now great weekend. 10 and nine. 10 and nine. A lot of people, myself included, didn't think they'd win more than maybe six or seven all season. And they are 10 and nine. And thanks to Brent Costello on Twitter for reminding me, they were two and six to start the season as well. They're now one and a half games behind the Phoenix for fourth spot. Surely they couldn't make the finals.
0: I don't think they can, but I mean, what a, 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 I caught it early. Scott Roth is coach of the year.
1: Yeah. And look, a few weeks ago, I said Dean Vickerman, but I'm absolutely on the Scott Roth train. I mean, he was a close second at that stage, but I think he may have just overtaken Vickerman at the moment.
0: Well, Matt Kenyon was the insertion into the starting five, wasn't
1: he? 90% win rate. Imagine at the start of the <laughs> season saying that Matt Kenyon's going to be... and He's going to get you nine and one. Full credit to him. He has been a revelation for that team. The energy that he brings is, is just, it's amazing. But if yeah, if you'd said this team would be 10 and nine with Will Magne playing every game. Yes. Most people would have laughed you down.
0: And great to see Clint Steindl starting to play quite well too. Because I said at the start of the season the sixth man of the year was right there for the taking for him. And he started to produce some of those performances that might have him in that contention.
1: Well, it's kind of funny because this game against Illawarra was, I don't want to say eerily similar to the previous game that they played against Illawarra in Ilawara about a month ago, but similar sort of storyline. You had Josh Adams in that previous game who was cooking from deep, end up with, I think it was eight threes in that game. Clint Steindl had seven in this one. No, oh,
0: he was magnificent. He was seven of eight, wasn't he?
1: Uh, 7 of 10, I think. Oh, oh,
0: okay, Uh, yeah, okay.
1: But again, there was one play in particular where he just rhythm dribbles into a three with a hand down. And you're just thinking to yourself, am I watching a replay? Like, this is the same shit that we get from Illawarra every single week. And it's... It's it's Not
0: mistakes you expect from a gorgian team. No. Or performances. In fairness, at times you, you could be forgiven for thinking we were talking as if they were bottom of the ladder. They did string three together in a row recently. They've looked a little bit better. Harvey's looked a little bit better at times as well, although the consistency is a major issue.
1: And they're still outside the four looking in.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And this is
1: the thing. That is one of the most talented teams in the entire league. They should not be sitting at fifth. They should be second or third at worst. Oh, well,
0: I picked them for the championship. So I'm very surprised. Yeah.
1: Yep. So, yep. And, and it's, it is, it's the same old thing. Like, you, said, you know, Tyler Harvey's had some good games, six of 19 in this, three of 12 from deep. And if you look at some of the other guys like Tim Conrad, O of seven. 0 of seven oh, for He's
0: the teacher's pet, isn't he? He had more shots than Duop Reef. Yeah, it's ridiculous.
1: And and this is where I, I can't understand this. Duo Reef, firstly, only played 24 and a half minutes, which is ridiculous. But the six shots that he took, when he's getting that ball inside single coverage, he's unstoppable. Nobody can stay with him. Oh,
0: he's a fantastic player.
1: Like he's too athletic for the he's smaller got guys. Great
0: footwork. Yeah. He- Yep.
1: Like he, Lovely were, hook shot. Yep. And and there were points where it maybe looked like he was standing in the corner pouting, and I completely get that. Like if you are setting a pick and roll and you roll into the post and then Harvey or Jessup or Conrad jack up a three instead of hitting you, I would pout too. I'd be sitting there going, well, what the fuck's the point in me running the floor? What's the point of me putting the effort in if you're not rewarding me for, for getting to the right positions and not giving me a chance to dominate an inferior defender? Well, out. So exactly. So you you're talking about him backing into a Jack McVeigh or Matt Kenyon, great player, but I don't think he can really stick with Duop Reek. So that absolutely bailed out. Well,
0: borderline NBA, isn't he? Absolutely. And by the way, you mentioned McVeigh. He's been excellent too the last couple of games.
1: Yeah. Oh, he was huge in this game. Yeah. Absolutely huge. huge. He
0: was what 26 or something? 26, massive
1: yeah. three point play right at the end, which yep. which kind of I guess stopped the big run that the Hawks were on it is uh, it's just crazy I, I don't understand how teams are still just not preparing themselves right for tasmania and not meeting them with that energy it's 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 crazy but you can't
0: take them lightly
1: absolutely not and, and honestly i i hope that they give whoever it is in fourth whether it be illawarra southeast melbourne or sydney i hope, I hope they give them a good run
0: It'd be great to see it come down to the last game of the, or last round of the season. Maybe not last game. That's probably a bit too well, optimistic. Well, the
1: thing is, though, like it could actually potentially come down to the last game because the, the fixtures have all been released.
0: Yeah, that, that was an interesting one, wasn't it? Given that they had the, the option and people were used to the rolling fixtures, would it have been good if they'd maybe kept the last few rounds, do you think? What do you think the certainty, there's been too much uncertainty of late, and they just if they could, they had to get it all out there.
1: Well, I think what it does is it potentially sets the scene for what could be a very exciting run-up. And if, if you look at the last games of the season, the last two games are Sydney and Illawarra and Perth and Southeast Melbourne.
0: That could very well decide the four. If not both one of those games will, there's a very, very good chance it could decide. Or if not the four positions in the four.
1: One of those four teams is going to miss out. Yeah. And well unless melbourne united no no yeah yeah they will one of those
0: you're right at least one of those probably only one of those but at least one of those teams will miss out and those games could determine
1: yep and so yeah and so that that's where it's kind of interesting you know you've got melbourne united who could potentially have it all wrapped up well they could
0: be resting players yeah Yeah.
1: playing tasmania in tassie the day before yep so yeah i i think it's great i think this is really winding up nicely
0: storyline number two Melbourne United are still the Southeast
1: Melbourne Phoenix's daddy. Yeah, the Phoenix decide to slow down at the end of the throwdown. Well, they choked. Oh, I fucking hope that choked. And look, there were a couple of decisions that
0: probably didn't go their way. I don't know how you feel about the Delhi travel or not travel. I don't
1: think he traveled.
0: I I actually don't either. I it was pretty kept, close. Yeah, I think he
1: kept the pivot foot down.
0: I think it's interesting that they used that challenge so early in the game for Mitch Creek, the foul. And and Gaze and Healy in the commentary booth kind of debated back and forth like he said well you know he's the star player maybe they want to keep a foul but it was only his first foul is what Gazi said I mean that's one that they might have and look maybe they would have lost that challenge but that's the sort of play you want to challenge in the fourth quarter because I agree on replay it probably looked like he didn't travel but I tell you what in the naked eye I definitely thought that was a travel when I watched that live
1: I think to quote the AFL goal umpires inconclusive So yeah, it, I, I don't think there was a problem with that personally. The bigger problem I had with that particular play was that the Phoenix are down Indeed. by they're down by one. Chris Golding has the ball, and you know I've, I've said this a couple of times. The first rule with Melbourne United is you don't let him take a wide open three. And Joe Chi is standing there three feet off him, or well, probably more, probably more like six or seven feet off him because he's It was a ball.
0: decent space, yeah.
1: But his hands are next to his yeah, knees, yeah, and it's yeah. like. Yeah. Uh, you know, Make I, it hard for him. I know you don't like Mark Jackson, but hand down, man down. Mark-
0: I loved him as a player. I just don't like him as a commentator particularly. Yeah, no, absolutely. He should have had his hands up. And by the way, I, I actually thought Chi outplayed JLA. Absolutely. I, I don't know what the stats were in the end. I have to admit, I didn't look at the box. But from eye test, he definitely outplayed him. Definitely. And I thought he came out with some aggression. I, I actually liked the, the way Chi came out in that game.
1: Oh, absolutely. And that was always a big worry was, What's going to happen? Chi's not had a great last probably, what, month, six weeks? Yeah, people it's have started not...
0: to say that people have figured him out, yeah. including us, in fairness.
1: And and Chi, what, 16 points, 12 boards, JLA had 12 and 15. So they kind of almost battled themselves to a, to a draw. There. Yeah,
0: okay, there you go. Yep.
1: But, yeah, I think for me, the biggest talking point from this game, aside from the fact that, yes, absolutely, this was a choke, and absolutely, Southeast Melbourne can't seem to figure out how to get over the line here.
0: Oh, it's got to be. I mean, Melbourne United are living rent-free in their head now. Yep. It's got to now be at a point where it's playing on them mentally. Hmm. And I didn't watch the press conferences, but I, I don't know what sort of questions Simon Mitchell got. Oh. But I saw the look on his face when, when that final siren sounded. Not good.
1: Not good. But no, the thing I kind of wanted to talk about is this this whole bullshit unsportsmanlike technical foul combo thing.
0: Yes, Yes, and it's that wrong. was key yeah. in the in the late stages of it's the game. Losing Mitch Creek for those last couple of minutes was—I mean, he was having a blinder too, wasn't he? He was, so, yeah.
1: And look, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the technical foul wasn't there because at a thousand percent was. He stepped over the line. That is important. with both feet. Yeah, it's so okay.
0: Gaze and Heal again. They debated it in the combo box. It's automatic. You got to call it what, if because Gaze was like, "Oh, do you have to call it now at this point? Had yes. it been had it been a tiny, tiny little bit? Had it been like the KD three against Milwaukee? Maybe you don't call it." Literally both feet went over the line and probably half of both feet. Yeah. It had to be cool. It, it did. It had to be.
1: The issue I have though is, and look, full disclosure, I'm not a fan of Mitch Craig. I think he's No, a, he's no, a, neither of us. I think he's I think he's a great player, but I think
0: he's a pretty good player. I, I think
1: he's a bit dirty and not a great bloke. Yeah. But do we want the best players being thrown out over a non-hostile act?
0: No, definitely not. Definitely not.
1: That's the issue I have.
0: Yeah. Now, no, the rules are wrong.
1: The, like, the unsportsmanlike wasn't a malicious foul. It was basically just, I'm stopping a guy going out for a layup. and It I'm, was probably there. It was there. It 100%. was untidy.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. The, 100%. The unsportsmanlike and the tech were both there. But is that the sort of combination that warrants a guy getting thrown out of a game? Especially a top-of-the-table clash.
0: Ah, uh, Yeah. I don't know how they fix it. Maybe only two unsportsmanlike to get you thrown out. But see, the problem is tech fouls can be for all sorts of things, including abuse. If you were constantly abusing an umpire and got two techs, you probably should be thrown out. So I don't know how they fix it, but there must be a way. You've
1: you've just, it's simple. You've got classification. Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah. So if it's a hostile act, like you push someone or you tell a referee to fuck off, whatever it happens to be, absolutely, no problems. Two of those, you've gone. Yeah. But if you're talking about a non-hostile, like he stepped on a line, that's
0: well. This is this is the technical in technical foul. Like this is about as technical as it gets, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I, I just think it's simple technicality. If
1: it's hostile, yeah. Out. No,
0: I, I like that classification. If you yeah. deem hostile and, and unhostile acts, yeah. yeah that's, yep.
1: This is the thing. Like, it's not the sort of thing that we want to see some of the the great stuff. Imagine if a Bryce Cotton got thrown out. Imagine if imagine if a Melbourne United player got thrown out for that. Like, <laughs>
0: heaven forbid. Oh, look, even bench players. You, you, true. You, you just don't want to see it for, a, a, as you say, a, a non-malicious act. Yeah. And two shots and the ball from the side is a pretty steep penalty anyway. Yes. Let alone losing a bloke. Absolutely. So, yeah.
1: So, yeah, I, I think that was quite disappointing. And especially... With the context of the match, especially where we were at at that point of the match as well. Oh,
0: the Phoenix were, they controlled that
1: game for what? 90% of it? Give or take, yeah. A long time. Yeah, but full credit to Melbourne United. That's what good teams do. Yes. You know, and and it's what Perth did today against New Zealand. They were pretty lucky to get out of that game. Oh, big time. (laughs) But good teams find a way to to battle back in those things. They put themselves in good positions. They play good defense. And
0: their, their depth helped. Oh, it did. Big time. I mean, Huck Porty had two blocks in the space of about 30 seconds. He actually, again, finished the game down the stretch. This is becoming a trend. It is. I don't know if you saw, but after the Wildcats win over Melbourne, Vickerman in the press conference said, there's a couple of blokes that aren't pulling their weight in training. They're going through the motions. This I'm all paraphrasing here. I wonder if JLA is one of the blokes he was talking about.
1: I think JLA's injured.
0: Yeah, okay. I think he is. Okay. There was
1: one point where he came off the court and not walking freely at all. Yeah, there okay. A, sure, I missed that. There okay. was a little bit of a limp, so I, I've got a suspicion that maybe he's not a hundred percent. So I wouldn't be surprised if down the stretch, if Melbourne are still top, they maybe rest him. Yeah, camp.
0: okay. Well, they've got the depth, as I say. I mean, yeah. they've got White. They've even Aquera can come in if they need him to. Yeah. So and to Mason, play Mason Peatling, well. Mason Peatling, like he's yeah higher up on the depth chart. So yeah, absolutely, they could weather that if they had to. Definitely, we've yeah. said that before. Yeah. We'll concentrate on the first and last game of the round for the Wildcats. It was a big round for them, three games. That Brisbane game on the Saturday in the middle?
1: It's a weird one. Good win. They won one quarter out of four and won the game. Yeah,
0: well, there you go. I didn't realise so
1: that. So it comes down to... <laughs> yeah, I did you, not realise that. Yep. That wow. was the second and fourth quarter, were won by a two and one. I mean, you smashed the third quarter. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. They really blew it out after halftime. Yeah.
1: But no, you're right. The United game and the New Zealand games were huge. I mean, obviously, the United game again two real title contenders battling it out
0: and i don't know about you but i actually felt really confident about that one i I felt like this is the sort of game that the wildcats go and win and this is the sort of game where bryce often performs
1: up 10 with about four seconds left i was still sure that (laughs) i was still sure that golding was going to find a way to knock down four threes in the space of four it
0: was that typical kind of just don't forget about us win by the Wildcats, I think, it against it the was. top of the table.
1: Look, Perth always play well in Melbourne. That's just one of the things that they Yeah, do.
0: yeah, yeah. They have got a pretty good record there. It's but, true.
1: Yeah. And, and look, the, the big thing for me out of that game was you go into a game without Matt Hodgson and you're playing against a team that has Joe Lawalichul, Huck Porty, and a lot of all other... All those bigs.
0: yeah, yeah. those White, bigs, yeah.
1: And out-rebound them 49-41. That is massive. It is
0: massive because rebounding... I mean, worm of the week. This week, Vic Law. Yeah, Yeah,
1: 18 boards. Yeah, huge. To go with 20 points. Yeah,
0: he had a very very good weekend, actually.
1: There's not many 2020s in the NBL, let's just say. Massive shout out to Mitch Norton in that Melbourne United game. 26 points, five boards. He had as many rebounds as JLA.
0: He's just, he's such an important player, isn't he? And he barely missed a shot. Uh, I mean, clearly he benefits from them keying in on yeah. Cotton, and they, that's a strategy that they use a lot against the Wildcats. So Norton does often perform well against Melbourne, but you've got to hit your shots. You've got to make those cuts.
1: Best you've off still
0: got to play well. Best off ball yeah in the entire league. He was very good off the ball in that game particularly.
1: Yeah, spectacular. Yeah. Unfortunately, another donut for Michael Frazier. He, he has picked it up a little bit in the last couple of games, so I must say. Um, well, I think
0: he's just he's just moved lower on the bench, and that's good. That's a good thing as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I, I'd rather see Travers and and Blanchfield get some of the minutes Fraser was getting.
1: And look, I don't know that United actually played that badly. They just missed a lot of shots. Like Chris Golding, one of eleven from deep, three of fourteen overall. Delhi, six of sixteen. The one thing I am a little bit surprised is not seeing a lineup at some stage of JLA Huck Forty and Jack White. How much fun would that be? Oh,
0: it's big, isn't it? I mean...
1: Jack White can shoot, though. Yeah, he can. He, he
0: can dribble and he's mobile. And so can JLA. I mean, he's a stretch four. Can you
1: imagine defensively uh, going into the key way against that? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess the worry is foul trouble. If if you had that lineup out there and a couple of them got a couple of quick fouls. All right. I, I think two out of the three. I don't know if I'd have all three I'll
1: counter this. Put those three out there with Shea Lee and Matthew Delvadova. No one's getting to the hoop, but if they do...
0: Yeah, yeah, they'll get blocked. They're getting
1: shit blocked. Jack down.
0: White, man. Two huge blocks and one massive tip dunk against the Wildcats. Oh, yeah, it was huge. I, I, I'm a massive fan of his. Yep. a massive fan.
1: And now we've kind of buried the lead a little bit here, but the New Zealand game, which did just finish all of what? Uh, a few hours ago. A few yeah. hours ago, really. So, yeah, Vic Law, stupidly good again. 39.7 boards. Absolutely killed New Zealand in the mid-range, which is almost a lost art, but... Just, yeah, just picked him apart. Look, I mean, Cotton was great. 32 points, nine boards, eight assists. But you couldn't ask for much more from him.
0: Oh, I can't wait to watch it after you go, mate. Will yeah, let's wrap up? so I can yeah, go on.
1: that's it. Uh, not too fast, not too fast. <laughs> but uh, look, New Zealand were great. They fought so hard in this one. Yanni Wetzel, a beast, 17 and 19 boards. He seems to be forgotten a bit in the NBA talks, I reckon. Mm. Yeah, I don't He's got to be a chance. Oh, you'd think so. But his, his size Yeah. and his skills, but yeah. yeah. Then you had uh, Hugo Besson, 23 points, nineteen for Peyton Siver. Tom Abercrombie hit some shots. He's yes,
0: back. some big threes. He's, and yeah, uh,
1: He's back now. So, yeah, look, it was, it was a great weekend. To get all three of those going home now with nine straight is huge. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. So just as I thought the Wildcats would win the Melbourne game, I was really worried about the New Zealand game because obviously the travel and the time and thinking about home and it was a bit of a danger game. And they did nearly lose it, but wow,
1: it what never, a finish. never even crossed my mind going into it that this would be such a hard game. But yeah, look, phenomenal. And as we say, punctuated by a crazy, crazy game-winning three by Bryce Cotton with less than two seconds to go. And I think this is kind of the perfect time to, to bring it up. It's
0: It really is. So we've sat on this one for a long time obviously we're nearly we're getting closer and closer to our 100th episode and we've probably come close to talking about it a few times and it did come up in our crossover episode with the pocket podcast guys but because we vehemently disagree we thought we'd sidestep that one and maybe address it another time now initially we thought we might talk about it on our next crossover with and we haven't teed anything up we hope to we'd love to do it again because I think it's one of our best episodes apart from us all completely underestimating Melbourne yes <laughs> all four of us did and
1: overestimating New Zealand <laughs> yeah
0: yeah I, I did big too. So I'm, I, I'm just such a fan of Bessel. I'm, I'm, anyway, so we've got to bring it up now, though, because first there was the All-Star game, which happened very recently in the NBA, and it's a it's a feature of that. But also these two Perth games. So first the Perth-Melbourne game where there was a, fair, there was a bit of fouling at the end, but then also the Perth-New Zealand game, which was a really thrilling finish that went to OT. So yes, Joey, that dreaded topic, that polarising topic. We're going to give a few minutes to the Elam ending as so named after its creator, Nick Elam.
1: Yeah, so Nick Elam, look, don't get me wrong. This guy is an absolute genius. Oh,
0: he's an interesting guy. Yeah, yeah definitely.
1: So he's an assistant professor of educational leadership at, uh, at Ball State University. He's an incredibly intelligent man. I believe he's a member of Mensa. So, All right,
0: there you go. Okay. So
1: th- you certainly can't second guess his ability to think things through his intelligence all of that sort of stuff like he's a very smart guy
0: our arguments are against the concept itself not anyone that loves it or created it or anything like that
1: and we're also not trying to change people's minds necessarily if you are a massive massive fan of this go nuts
0: and i found that it is a topic that's very hard to change people's minds on yes because people have tried to change mine and it It's not. It hasn't worked. It has has not not
1: worked. No. So the whole process basically is, and there's slight variations of it, but essentially what's happened, certainly in the the NBA All-Star Game, and also, I guess, to a lesser extent in things like the Rookie Challenge, there is a point in the game, and it's generally the start of the fourth quarter, where teams will be on a certain score and they will then be given a target score. So it might be like the first one in the All-Star Game was in tribute to Kobe Bryant at three-quarter time, the next, like, th- so the team that was leading add 24 points onto the score, that is your target score.
0: And that's a little bit different to what they've done in the basketball tournament, for example, where I think it's the three-minute mark or the four-minute four mark. minute mark, yeah. Where they turn off the clock and it's plus eight. So by Nick's calculations, it was originally because I think an average NBA game was about 111 points. And so he worked out that in the last three or four minutes, they'd score seven points something. And I think they rounded it up to eight as a result of that.
1: Yep. And the whole idea of this was to, I guess, try and make the game a little bit more glamorous, get rid of the end-of-game fouling, all of that sort of stuff. Yeah,
0: it's it's definitely, I think, the key reason is to clear up that end-of-game fouling and the kind of stretching out of games and that sort of thing, or the perception thereof.
1: Now, the issue that we have had, I guess, with trying to get around this is, well, there's several reasons, I guess, but the, the big thing for us is that it takes away from so much of the legacy of the game. It gets rid of overtime. It gets rid of... It doesn't get rid of game winners, but it gets rid of the dramatic game winners.
0: Yeah, so look, I want to say here that I don't think it's the devil. Uh, what was that? The water Waterboy? With, uh, <laughs> it might be... She's um, uh, it, an Academy Award winner. Kathy Bates is the mum on that. With sorry, Adam, if I if shouldn't ask you. Should if I? it's
1: an Adam Sandler film, I have yeah, no yeah, idea. Unless yeah, it's Happy yeah. Gilmore. But,
0: but I, I don't think it's the devil. I did a lot of YouTube research over the weekend. I watched a lot of videos, some explanations some, like, highlight reels, some full kind of end of games. There are exciting endings. It is possible to produce an exciting ending out of this. It is possible. However, there's, I think, a uh, stretching of the truth that every single ending is exciting. And I know that your biggest bugaboo is it can end on a free throw.
1: Well, well, this is it. If you look at the three all-star games that the NBA has had, the first one was a walk-off free throw from Anthony Davis. Walk off free throws are the most boring thing you could imagine. Yep. The second game in 2021 was a 20 point game. So the Elam ending had literally zero impact on that, except finishing it earlier. Yep. And this year, okay, there was a walk off shot by LeBron James, a tough fadeaway, but his team was already winning by a point. So it's not like it was a game winner as such. It was a game ender.
0: Yes. And you're right. There is a distinction between a game winner and a game ender. Hmm. And there is a distinction between a buzzer beater and a game-ender. Yes. And you're right. As far as the history books are concerned, for the NBA, it would ruin things. And look, I don't think the NBA will bring it in. I think the ad revenue is too important to them. If they really had an issue with... And look, there have been cases lately where the last few minutes of games have been like half an hour. It has been in the news the last few weeks, actually. But the NBA, if they really wanted to change it, they would. But they want the ad revenue. They like the long games.
1: But that's also... That's not so much to do with the free throws. That's more to do with the review system. And the fact that reviews are taking four, five, six, seven minutes to do. Yeah. Instead of saying, right, we have an idea that we think the ball was off Boston and we want to give the ball to whoever they're playing. And they scrutinize it and look at it from 15 different angles. And all of a sudden, you look at it and yeah, seven minutes has gone by and they still haven't made a decision. That's what is screwing it up. It's not the foul game. The foul game does add time. Well, out. it's the
0: timeouts as well. And but again, if, if they had an issue with that, they'd remove a timeout Come, or they'd, yeah. they, they, they in the, the old use it or lose it, for example, in first halves that happen in some leagues around the world, in college as well, right? Yeah. And that's true, and and in the case of the NBL, we've already screwed the record books by moving from 12 to 10 minutes. So that argument is a bit weaker, but still, it's still, I think, relevant, but a little bit weaker. One, one of the major issues for me is the mixed metric. So how are we determining a winner? Under the Elam ending, it starts with time, and then it ends with a score. I don't like that. I don't. And look, maybe maybe I'm in my rocking chair. Maybe I need to get over it. Maybe I'm too stuck in my ways. But either pick a score and play to it or pick a time and stick to it. Yes, we have mechanisms for if the score is tied after that. We've got overtime and that sort of thing. Overtimes are exciting. Yeah. Why would we want to get rid of them? I don't understand that. So the mixed metric thing for me is a really big deal. And I would actually have... Less of a problem if they said, okay, now every game is first to 100 than I would with an Elam ending. Cause it just, I don't know, I really don't like the mixed method. So again, massive fan of the Pocket Podcast guys. They've been excellent to us. This isn't a slide on them. We just have a difference of opinion. And I actually, I think they welcome good conversation and debate. So
1: hopefully, well, no, no, they <laughs> do.
0: I, I like, again, they were great to us in the early days. And we're playing the the ball, not the man here, the ball being the issue. Right. But I have to push back on this quote from joe so he said the elam ending is only as big as a disruption to the game at moving from 12 minutes to 10 minute quarters all records historical stats are essentially void ee all the way anyway will be validated in 10 to 20 years when it's basketball's new norm okay we've talked about the stats thing there is some truth to that basketball's new norm i don't know i actually wonder if we move to it go oh fuck you yeah, know probably shouldn't have done that and then we move back and we have an asterisk of the elemending ending years but I can't when you remove a possibility over time and you bring in a new metric to score rather than time you can't possibly say that's a lesser change than moving from 10 to 12 quarters I'm sorry I can't agree with that mm. it's a much more radical change
1: I also worry that it would potentially be an issue with player development oh so you would find potentially that because the fourth quarter is a little bit shorter some of these development players oh garbage the, time. the bench players wouldn't necessarily get as much garbage time. They wouldn't get a chance to hone their skills, try things on the court. So you might find that someone like maybe a Luke Travers or I don't know some some other development player who's actually come along and done quite well may not have actually seen the same sort of same sort of time on the court. So I, I just I do I worry that it potentially ruins that and then also ruins the next stars program because guys. Have a shorter leash look at someone like Nikita Mikhailovsky, yeah. Who, well,
0: he's gone home who's, now, he's just
1: been sent home after yeah. playing six minutes. Yeah, the Elam ending potentially would diminish even more a chance of him playing. So, yeah, that just I don't know, it kind of worries me a little bit.
0: No, fair, fair. I, I think the other major issue for me is it's putting a cast on a paper cut, like it's a pretty it's a it is, in spite of what Joe says, it's a it is a radical change to have a mixed metric. I mean, I don't even like soccer where the time on is very nebulous. And it's like the umpire just, I mean, we've talked about it in a this week in sport or bloody hell it was, wasn't it? Yeah, Yeah, bloody hell. Where are you guys just going, oh yeah, that's about right. And just like, that bothers me even. And that's still a metric of time. It's not a mixed metric. If we are wanting to remedy the end of game fouling, change the intentional foul rule. Make it harder for teams to foul teams to send them to the line. Put it in the hands of the ref. One shot plus possession. Teams will stop doing it pretty quickly. Hit your free throws. Teams will stop doing it pretty quickly.
1: It's a skill set.
0: It is a skill set. And there's already major skills in basketball. Again, okay, I'm in my rocking chair. Do we want to erode another... Do we want to diminish the importance of yet another skill in basketball? And if guys hit their foul shots, guys stop fouling. I mean, Perth's lead actually went up when Melbourne did this tactic. But here's the other thing. So if we're doing it for time... I've had a look at NBL games, even a couple that went to double OT. So this game in question, Perth-Melbourne, the entire game, one hour 45. New Zealand-Illawarra went to double OT the entire game, just over two hours, two hours and four minutes. Perth-Brisbane went to double OT the entire game, again, two hours and eight minutes. It's, It's not like these are marathon efforts that are going forever in a day. I've been to NBL games that went for nearly an hour and a half. I mean, this is this is just a big bash inning. It's only two hours. I, I just, I, again, I really think it's putting a cast on a paper cut and it can be fixed with intentional foul rules being tweaked.
1: Well, I mean, I'll add on to that a little bit and pose a really simple question. The reason we watch basketball is what, Nathan?
0: Because we love it?
1: Because we love basketball. Yeah. So for me, the more the better. Absolutely. You know, honestly, when you go along to a game at a stadium and the game is finished, it's an empty feeling. Even if your team has won, I often find walking down those steps towards the exit, it's like, oh, well, there you go. That's the most exciting part of my week. I love
0: it when I, in the seasons when we didn't have membership, I loved it when I jagged an OT game. Yep. I was like, oh, got one of the good ones.
1: Yeah, people It's to exciting. It as, it's referred to as bonus basketball for a reason. Yes,
0: exactly. Well, Cam Luke said it tonight. And and can you imagine a game where, like that that Perth-Brisbane game in round two, and round two had two double OT games. They were both really good. New Zealand and as well. was there? but If you look at the top five games in the NBL this season, I would say that probably four of the five went to OT. If you think about the very first game of the season, Brisbane-Tassie, okay, it wasn't a great game, but it was an exciting game. There is a difference between a highly skilled game and an exciting game. And I actually saw a really interesting comment, someone on Twitter, and I wish I remembered who the name was. I apologise. But they said, do you know what? Sometimes the drama of missing a buzzer beater is kind of interesting and exciting too. Yep. And when when teams are trading blows, like, it would be so anticlimactic if it happened within four baskets because of the target score of eight. And it might have, who knows, it might have gone to multiple OTs. Which again, doesn't mean you're getting home super late because as I've looked at three different games here, even the double OT games are only just over two hours
1: long. Yep. And so I guess it it brings us to the, the biggest issue that we have, which is what it takes away from the game. And aside from the overtime, it takes away all these crazy game winners. We've spoken about the Bryce Cotton game winner today. He probably doesn't take that shot if there's an Elamendi.
0: No, of course not. Because he looks at it and goes, all right, well... That game is not nearly as exciting with an Elamendi.
1: No. You've got the Cedric Jackson half-court shot against the Wildcats. Again, a shot... Huge. A yeah. shot that is never taken in an Elamendi. You've got... Well, well that's any, right. Any,
0: any shot kind of further back than a few metres behind the three-point line, is not going to be taken in an Elam ending game because there's no time. And,
1: and there's a few that I can think of in the NBA just from the last couple of seasons. Jeremy Lamb's half-court heave against Toronto. Shea Gilgis-Alexander's wild 30-footer followed by Devontae Graham's three-quarter court shot to beat OKC. You've got DeMar Rosen's one-legged triple against Indiana. Jerry West's 60-footer against... The iconic, ble- yeah. ...against bloody, bloody New York in the 19... 19- whatever finals it was like there's so many of them
0: Derek Fisher 0.4 Ray Allen against the Spurs as well game six of the 2013 NBA finals even I mean we're in March Madness Jalen Suggs last year and I retweeted that because it was just such a crazy shot to win because of March Madness so the NCAA tournament hasn't even started yet the the teams the final bracket was announced today but just in the conference championship Chattanooga over Furman A guy hit a crazy three over two guys in OT. Stanford over Arizona State, buzzer beater. Texas A&M over Florida in OT, buzzer beater. Miami over Boston College, another one, OT, buzzer beater. Iowa over Indiana. Virginia Tech over Clemson, massive three in OT. The list goes on and on and on. Do we really want to eliminate these games? I sure as hell don't.
1: And and if you go onto YouTube and even just do a search for college buzzer beaters, there is... A bunch of like 15, 20 minute videos of these crazy threes from half court, three quarter court. There was a, I think it was a four overtime game a few years back where a guy hit a three to put him up by three. And another guy with eight tenths of a second left, three quarter court, back shot. Yep. Ties it up. Sends yep. it to another overtime. You there
0: is to- a reason this is my favorite time of year and why I was so devastated when the tournament was canceled a couple of years ago because of COVID. And I understood it. I'm not saying it should have gone ahead, but yeah. Oh, this is a fun time of year. Very fun.
1: Yep. I think basically I'll just go back to what I said before. The reason that we watch basketball is because we love basketball, and trying to truncate that to me makes no sense. Yeah. If a game is shit, turn it off. Yeah. Bring on all the overtime. You Amen. Can possibly hope for. And look, as I say,
0: nothing against its supporters. We just don't like it as a concept.
1: Yeah.
0: So Stewie, I actually have an excuse to talk about the Spurs a lot this week. Ah,
1: <laughs> you do. Yeah. I
0: have two very good reasons. The first of them. Greg Popovich won his record 1,336th game a few days ago to leapfrog the previous number one, Don Nelson. I've got the top five here. Do you want to have a crack?
1: Well, obviously, we including Pop and Nelson?
0: Pop and Nelson. So, yeah, you've got the next three. All right. So, Lenny Wilkins. Yep, 1,332.
1: Uh, I feel like Phil Jackson would have to be. No, he's not no. actually. No. Okay. He
0: might be sixth. I'm not sure. I wouldn't be surprised if he was sixth. But no, no Phil Jackson.
1: Ooh. Pat Riley.
0: Pat Riley is fifth, 1,210.
1: Oh, the other one's killing me. That is killing me, who that other one is.
0: I've got a clue, but you'll get it straight away.
1: Yeah, go on for time's sake.
0: Played for Chicago, coach Utah.
1: Jerry Sloan. Jerry Sloan. Oh,
0: 1,221.
1: Oh, look, I don't know if
0: I've got all the on, on, on the spot. S- on the s- on yeah. the spot. Yeah. Give me a couple
1: of minutes, I'll probably get that. But anyway.
0: So Pop took the Spurs to the playoffs in 22 of his 26 seasons, still running, of course. All of those 22 were consecutively. He won five championships and coach of the year three times. And this is the crazy one, and I know you had this on your list too. He himself has more wins than the New Orleans Pelicans, 731, Memphis Grizzlies, 910, Toronto Raptors, 1,018, Minnesota Timberwolves, 1,041, Charlotte Hornets, 1,116, and the Orlando Magic, 1,230.
1: And it's worth mentioning that the Magic, Tim Wolves and Hornets have all been around since like the end of the
0: 1980s. Yes, yes.
1: So that's a, that's a long time before Pop started coaching. And I
0: mean, obviously his winning percentage is excellent. It's a crazy record. It may be beaten, but I can't see someone coaching the same team to that many wins. The no. fact that he's done it all with one team is quite remarkable. So,
1: And the fact that he nearly lost his job in the first season. Well, and- exactly.
0: Only a few, 10 games in or something. Yeah. Yep. yep. It took Robinson and, and Avery Johnson kind of getting the team together and saying, come on, guys. We need to beat the Houston Rockets. Pull our finger out. And they did. And while we're on the Spurs, Stewie, Jock Landau had 26 points on 12 or 15 shooting the other day, 80%, the first Spurs rookie to score 25 or more while shooting 80% from the floor in a game since... UA Blab. No. 1989, the upper.
1: Obviously, David Robinson.
0: David I mean, Robinson. The only
1: other one it could have been was Tim Duncan, basically. But
0: And he also came out today and said that he loves it in San Antonio and would happily play his whole career there. So even though he's not getting as many minutes as a lot of Australian fans would, would hope, he clearly loves it there. So... Please don't keep winning, though, guys. The playing tournament is false gold.
1: You've said that a number of times, Nate. I do not think they can hear you somehow. Ah,
0: speak it into existence, Shui. Mm. <laughs> now, speaking of teams tanking, you've got an interesting one of your team.
1: Yeah, something that has never happened before that actually happened today, funnily enough. Oh, farcical. And we probably will never see it again. So Memphis and OKC both came out for the opening tip of the game in all white. Yes, they've kind of looked at each other. It's it's kind of like when. You know, two people come out in the same outfit and say, like, Whoa, yeah. who's going to change? Yeah. Well,
0: Memphis, because they were the road team wearing home uniforms. Yeah.
1: Do you know what I think they should have done, though? What's that? I think they should have done the old get out the netball bibs and. <laughs> <No>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we- we've, we've been on one end of that on a
1: number yeah. of occasions. Do the, yeah. do the coin toss and see who has to wear the netball bibs. I feel like we always had to get those boys. We yeah. always did. Yeah. It was us and Edgewater with the yellow teams and we always ended yeah. up having to wear them. Yeah. Well,
0: I remember it. To hammersley as well we had to a few times yeah
1: they all f- fell on uh fell on wing attack it was, yes. yeah but no that was that was crazy and it will probably never happen again
0: i dare say there might be an equipment manager who uh may need to jump on seek
1: oh it's a fine absolutely seek is good.
0: not a company in in america i don't think but whatever the seek equivalent is So just a very, very quick NBA this week, but we'll definitely cover it more next week with hopefully our special guest.
1: Mm, Teaser. He's not a ghost, though.
0: All right, Stu, you know what that music means. What are you out for?
1: Well, footy's back, footy's here again. Obviously hard to go past the demons and dogs on Wednesday night in the AFL. Mm. Southeast Melbourne and Sydney in the NBL on Saturday looks like a cracker as well. And I'm really excited to see how the Aussie women go this week in the World Cup. How about yourself, mate?
0: Well, in the cricket ranks, I'm also very looking forward to, can we win that second test? It didn't seem even possible about five hours ago. Now it's like, well, we might be on here. Hmm. But it's March Madness, baby. Can't wait. I've already watched lots. I'll be watching lots more. Also, Illawarra. Hmm. We'll see how they go. Until next time, I'm Nate. And I'm Stu. We are the Sport Blokes.